Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Wendy Robinson and Phil Watson. We recorded this last month at the Harry Smith Frolic in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded. Shout-out to Juliet Calverin, who just signed up on Patreon. Thank you so much, Juliet. To those of you who haven't yet signed up for Get Up in the Cool's Patreon, go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool. It's linked in the show notes for this episode. And choose a support level that you can sustain. Thanks for keeping the lights on. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this fall, I'm teaching multiple online banjo courses with Saratoga's own Cafe Lina, a venue that's been around since the 60s folk revival and cultivating the roots and branches of traditional music ever since with a progressive roster of national artists, a school of music for all ages, and a diverse program of open mics. This September, I'll be teaching two four-week Clawhammer courses, a beginner and an intermediate, taking place Sundays at noon and 1.30 Eastern, respectively. I always tell my adult students to practice in seasons and then coast, because honestly, that's the only way to sustainably improve when you also have to cook all your own meals and pay utilities and so on and so forth. So maybe this September could be that season for you. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how you can follow up on some of the things we talked about in this episode. But first, here's my interview and jam with Wendy Robinson and Phil Watson. Enjoy.
cool tune. It lulls you into a false sense of security. It does. And then that B part. It does. It does. Sets you up, and it's like, right. wait, wait, where am I? Wait a minute. Oh well. Yeah. It's true. Wendy Robinson, <laughs> Bill Watson. That's correct. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. What was that tune we just played? That's uh, what made the Wildcat Wild. Do you, so just a sort of a koan, sort of a like a philosophical uh, rhetorical question. That, that, might that's be the, true. Hum- I don't yeah. know. If there's it might be the Humphreys brothers. Answer. I'm not sure, but we learned it from uh, John Beckoff, and he played it on mandolin, yeah. and he sprung it on us one day and. So that's yeah. the way we play it now. Yeah. Have you ever gone back to the source? No, I never have. So that's John Beckoff's version, if it's any different than the source. My understanding is that there are a fair amount of John Beckoff versions that are pretty profoundly different from the source. And then some that are like very close. Yeah. Right? I mean, he if he wanted to be do what the source was doing, he would do that. Yeah. yeah. So it was all will, willful. I mean, yes. maybe it's a, <laughs> sort of connotation behind it, but... Yeah. yeah. He, he, it was intentional. Yes. He, yeah. he, he, he didn't make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how did you two meet John Beckoff? Uh, well, what I understand is that he moved up here. He was actually in Portland, Oregon for a while, and then he was I in the that. South... He was in and Virginia, then, And North then he Carolina. moved up here. I think he moved up here because there's some really fantastic players in Vermont, like uh, Jim Burns and Amit Baiku and George Ainley yeah. and Michael Donahue. And, and I think he wanted to be around that. Oh, and John Specker. Yeah. You know, and so and he got a job teaching in Vermont, and then he moved around in several places in Vermont, and he ended up settling in Greenfield. Uh, but he's still taught in Vermont. Yeah. And uh, so was a we met teacher. him because mm. he was in the area, and he really liked the idea of having um, gatherings of people to play and encouraging people to play, particularly young people. And yeah. he would often um, introduce people to recordings by making mass recordings of things and, you know, archival recordings yeah. and then giving them out and... So, in the days of mixtapes. In the days of mixtapes, <laughs> yeah. But this was kind of... I always felt like this was his... I don't think he would he would want me to say this, but mm. I felt like it, he had this idea about this type of a festival. Yeah. And, and he... The way John... The way I think of John playing with people was... Uh, he would make you sound better. Mm. You wouldn't even know what was going on. Mm. When you played with next to him, he would somehow get inside of your playing. And so to me, that's the idea of this festival, is that everybody has this inner this inner being, you know, that they can access. And the more people are free to do that, the better off everyone is. You know? That sounds very generous. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah he had a very generous spirit. He was a generous person. Right, and he, he sort of, at his memorial service, they handed out little packets of wildflower seeds mm. because that's kind of what he did. He planted seeds, you know, and yeah. hoped that they would grow. That's he didn't cool. necessarily, you know, tend to them necessarily unless yeah. they looked like they were going to take hold. Sure. You know, but he, he, so he kind of, you know... Tried different things and yeah, yeah. So for context, you said this and this festival, and people can probably hear that there are jams <laughs> going on. 
in the background. Uh, we're at the Harry Smith Frolic. That's correct. This was among the first festivals I ever went to when oh. I started playing old-time music. Mm. Um, I think I made it to a couple my first year. Like I think I made it to Brandywine and Clifftop. But I think the following year, I was like, I'm going to get to all of the the rest of the like northeast general you know area festivals and figure them out. And then I heard about Harry Smith. And then I, and the thing I kept hearing about it was, this one's a little different. There's some different things going on. And uh, namely, you have the reenactment, which is, gives it the, is where the Harry Smith frolicking happens. <laughs> yes. And that's central. Yeah. That is the central thing. And yeah. it's, uh, it's very no other festival does, as far as I know, anything like it. Right. One, of, one of John's ideas was to have like little satellite Harry Smith festivals all over the country. You know, wow. Oh, the really? idea, I think, the idea. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but Portland. I think the, the idea. I mean, it's not. Yeah, not too late. That vision. <laughs> not too late. The yeah. idea is that is that you 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 go to the archives, which is our history, yeah. and then you reclaim it, and so. You know, paying homage to the archives, which is through the Harry Smith reenactment. You know, you're 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 accessing this this oral history, yeah. and then and then you can't help but internalize it and carry it on. You're maybe not going to play it the same way, and you don't have to. But it's just the idea of going back there to get that um, uh, the perspective. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I've never seen anything like it, and the first time I went to the reenactment, what I what I noticed is a you're doing a very specific thing, but you're doing it in a very inviting and open way. It's sort of like a zero gatekeeper kind of like it's a, it's an open wide open gates, you right? Know? So it's like you can participate in this if you put in if you have something to share, which is one of the tunes from whatever volume you're reenacting or one of the songs yeah. and everyone approaches it really differently some people just do like a very personal very different mm-hmm. or off the cuff kind of arrangement of, of one of them and then some people you know maybe there's a, a little moment where the intonation isn't A440 you know in one of the <laughs> recordings and then people will exactly match it with their voice or their fiddle, you know, yes, and kind of yes. everywhere in between. And I think it's so cool that it's all sort of equally valid, and it seemed like, um, it seems like you all and, uh, and John uh, had a very, very healthy and dynamic idea of what tradition is. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. really admirable, and, yeah. and sometimes rare. And yeah, that's really, interesting. Yeah. really wanting to get... Um, younger people involved all the time like yeah. just he would have been so thrilled there's so many people here now that weren't here when he was alive that are yeah. you know just eager phenomenal players in their own right you know mm-hmm. he would have just been thrilled by that mm-hmm. really yeah yeah and the, you you probably know this the reenactment also it's not pre-planned so people just get up and no signups no signups yeah. no signups <laughs> And yeah. sometimes nobody, there's nobody who wants to do that particular yeah. song. And some, sometimes there's, you, there's an MC. Yeah. And sometimes the MC will fill in and do the, 
do the missing song or tune, yeah. and then sometimes they don't. So yeah. it's all very, very flexible and. And yeah. sometimes two people spontaneous. want to do it, and even more rarely, those people will go, well, let's do it together then, you know, or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. what, one of my favorite moments, it was at my first one, and I think it was, is volume one, The Ballads? Yeah. Yeah, it was It was a volume one year, and I think that happened to be my first year. And uh, there were, I forget which song it was. I won't remember. There were two group, uh, two volunteers who started independently on separate sides of the bonfire, and they sort of like fought it out. It was sort of, it was almost like a rap battle, but they were doing this, you know, this ballad. And then eventually, one of them was like, the, one of them was just had clearly prepared and was just total tunnel, tunnel vision. And then the other group was like, okay, we're going to. We're going to back you up now, and it was really beautiful. That's, you know, I think I that remember that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was really cool how um, not precious, you know, people are willing to be in order to support each other and do the thing together, and that's what matters. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's so neat. Yeah, it's very neat. It's very neat. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And this year, particularly. Um, uh, you know, we've been the ones who've taken. It's, it's not a lot of work. It's been fairly easy to do. But um, uh, there's the next gener well, next generations are sort of. This is the year that the transition is happening, where the younger people, yeah. than us anyway, are taking it over and they're 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 running it. So it's like very cool. That's what we want. Good. I'd love to ask you some more questions about that, but maybe we should play another yeah. tune next. Okay. What do you want to do? Let's play in B flat. Let's play. Uh, uh, little Birdie. Which one? Little Birdie. I don't know. Little Birdie. This is another tune we learned from John.
version of that tune. I'm familiar with like the Roscoe Holcomb version, but yeah, this yeah. is also from John. Yeah, it's a total John. Especially that first part, the you know, like the part that's the melody that you know. <laughs> that yeah. little bird. But the don't do just this little groove that yeah. And in B flat. Yes, yeah, so it's an extra, a little bit extra. Of course, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it wasn't good enough already. Yeah. And if anybody cares, I have the d- guitar capoed on the third fret. I'm playing in G shapes. As opposed to just just playing arthritis, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a cool, what a cool version. So, like you were saying, this is the. This is the year where the transition to the new, yeah, uh, under well, new management. Year. Under the new management. management. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should put that. Well, Phil and I had just talked to each other because Jonathan is Jonathan died. So, and then Liz, I think actually before Jonathan died, Liz Toffee Moved. retired. Yeah. Well, yeah. She retired from being an organizer. So now it's it's just me and Phil. So we talked to each other and we. We were going to not have the festival again mm. this year for various reasons. Mostly COVID. Mostly yeah. COVID, but Back yeah, in the earlier kind of, part of the season, we didn't know. We didn't, yeah. yeah. So, and then, so we had, we had told um, the people who, um, you know, do pub, we have, we, no, we don't have people doing publicity, but. Sure. People, we have a Facebook page yeah. and, um, George Touchstone, Touchstone does has a page on his website for Harry Smith. So anyway, yeah. so they said no festival, and then Corey Matthews mm-hmm. said, "Well, ha- let I want to try." So yeah. that's what happened. All so right. yes, that's someone stepped up. Someone they stepped, stepped up, and there's a whole crew of them. Now I mean, there's they, a whole crew. Yep. yep. It was one of the maybe was it one of the folks uh, who gave me a Modelo Especial and welcomed me in and <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe yeah <laughs> no <laughs> doubt ne- never had that kind of greeting at, <laughs> at another all time festival I'll tell you about it. it's one of the special things about the Harry <laughs> yeah. Smith Rally <laughs> yeah and then the other thing we do and um, this is probably my fault but you know we uh, started having this feast on Saturday night. And uh, basically just starting the grill and people bring stuff if they want to cook it and then laying out food on yeah. the table. There's always like a ton of grilled corn on the cob. Yeah. So a few times I've been and people have brought like deer steaks and stuff yeah. that they've hunted. And yeah. uh, it's always a treat. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a, a, a different... It just, it just sort of happened really spontaneously and now it seems to be um, being carried over. You know, it seems yeah. to be part of the deal. Uh, we yeah. used to do a Sunday morning breakfast. That was Jonathan, Jonathan, and me, mm. and a few other people. Mm. Alex, what's Alex's last name? Alex Scalia. Alex Scalia. Yeah, mm. he he always helped, and we would get up early in the morning after this was Sunday morning after being after up raging after <laughs> yeah, yeah after the reenactment, and then sometimes jamming afterwards. Yeah. And then we would cook a bunch of eggs and potatoes and just serve them out to everybody. You know, we didn't charge for it or anything. Um, Then when John got sick, we stopped doing that. But that was fun. And then the river that flows by here, the Green River, is actually a water source for the town of Greenfield. It's normally very clean. And we we end up several times 
doing uh, secular water immersions where people would sit in the water and play. <laughs> jam sitting in the water. Yeah. That's so great. Uh, I, and I love the I love the name, Secular Water Immersions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm still like recovering from my like uh, non-secular bapt- baptism. <laughs> so I think I probably, but yeah, if you ever do it again, maybe I'll do it. It'll be sort of like a, re- a reclamation. Yes, there <laughs> yeah, you go. Maybe, right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many neat, neat things about this festival. Uh, yeah. Well, let's play another tune. Let's play another I'm tune. I'm sure I'll have more G. Let's play one with G. Okay, great. That's, that is the tuning. What, uh, what are we going to play next? Let's play uh, uh, Cotton Baggin. Cotton Baggin. Baggin? Cotton Baggin. It's as a, in a, apostrophe on the end, as in bagging. Yes. As in bagging, yeah. the yes. act of bagging. I, yes. think it's like, yes. I think it's from like a skillet liquor skit. It's from, might only yeah. play okay. it once. Yes. Okay. But people it's amazing. People have... Have decided. Kind of, you have excavated it. <laughs> well, let's play it more than once. Ready, ready to when you are. No, no, that's a that's a skill liquor tune. <clears throat> oh, but you didn't receive it from. No, you no, got no, it from no. the skill liquor. Yeah, we yeah. had to work for that one. Yeah, it wasn't handed to us. On, <laughs> wasn't handed to us yeah. on a silver platter. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, very good. So, Th- this might be a little off the topic, but I just wanted to 
say when we talk about volumes for the reenactment, we're talking yeah. about the Harry Smith anthology of American folk music. There might be some people listening some people who might don't know not what that know is. That. You yeah. should talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And there are also there are B sides to all the recordings that are on the Harry Smith volume. And those were just released because these were originally seventy yeah. eights, right? right? Is right. Harry Smith's collection? Yes, from his collection, right? Or from his? Obviously, then, he had like a huge collection. He right. Curated it down, and he curated it, and the, and originally it was issued in records, you know, like vinyl. Yeah. And I think there were were there six records, and there's there's, there's four volumes, but the fourth volume is. Uh, uh, controversial because it was released after he died. Oh, interesting. So oh, it wasn't necessarily his curation. Yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think that some people think that it wasn't because it wasn't him that put it together. It's not, you know. But this is where people get into their own little worlds, and that seems a little silly because, like, my understanding is that Harry Smith was not like a musician, right? He, from what I've heard, and feel free to collect me, he's like a bit of a hoarder. And like, <laughs> like he collected lots of things. Yes. And he just happened to get a good gig, doing something with his collection that he would have been doing otherwise for no money. Yeah, and he had a he had a, apparently he had an incredible memory, and he was able to archive this stuff. Yeah. Even though he was living, uh, you know, he was living sort of hand to mouth a lot, and, and sometimes he'd have to throw his record collection into a dumpster, or somebody would, you know, because he was being evicted. And like somehow yeah, he, was, he managed he to hang on to enough of it. Not a mainstream kind of a guy. Sure. Yeah. And and he also was a mystic, so he had these um, really very deep um, spiritual kind of conversations about everything. Yeah. And there are and there are, there are some people here who are very uh, aware of these things. Yeah. So maybe the people who are more of a purist. Maybe they're not just like, oh, here's a person who collected a bunch of 78s. They're like, no, here's someone, this meant a lot to this person and, yeah, yeah. and his legacy. And yeah. To have a fourth volume that was not specifically Maybe. curated. Yeah, I didn't, even know, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, and I just saw a book earlier today that I'd never seen. Somebody just published about Harry Smith's earlier life because hmm. he was very interested in, um, in uh, American Indians, their ceremonies, their songs, their yeah. dances. And uh, his parents were... They were fairly eclectic. They they lived in the Pacific Northwest. I think they might even have been missionaries, maybe or something. Huh. Hmm. And uh, but I think that was just an excuse for being immersed in this mystical world of interesting of beliefs. And, and Harry Smith grew up in that. And and uh, yeah, I mean, we he my personal feeling is that a lot of these people, like in the early uh, folk revival in New York were listening to Harry Smith like Bob Dylan, Dave Van Rock, all yeah. these people and the Holy Modal Rounders. The Holy Modal Rounders and the New Lost City Ramblers and all those things. And I think that it was just such an inspiration to them. And um, it took a while for the rest of us to realize that it even existed, you know. Yeah. Although I think looking back I really wish I'd known. <laughs> yeah. You know. I would have uh, I would have spent a lot more time listening to Harry Smith than listening to the radio if I'd known about it when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> to the anthology, yeah, there, and there weren't, weren't that many recordings of old time music available back then. Yeah, yeah. right. The the sort of line of like commercially recorded old time music, 
usually, you know, like usually it was like, you know, a WPA or something right. or some other collector and not like a... Yes, right. Not something that would be pressed on a, on right. a record. Right, yeah. right. So people didn't, it, it wasn't really all that available. And uh, now, of course, everything is available. Sure. But that was <laughs> maybe like, like one of the big kind of first publicly yeah. available. Yeah, the anthology, Anyone right. could get it if they... Right, yeah. you could right, you or could buy the buy the record set. And and now it seems like there's just this whole world of people who are paying really close attention to those old recordings and people approach them in all the different ways mm. that there are people. Some yeah. people are adhere to the strictest discipline reproducing them. I'm sure classical music is like this too, you know, that and then some people are like using them as inspiration and being creative and, and yeah. you know, and it's just really great though because the digital world has made it possible for people to have access to this. Yeah. And the Smithsonian, you know, yeah. has all their material there. So we're living in quite a quite an era. So I know you're no longer in charge, but uh, as such as it is at this festival, like it's not the most top down. It's just someone has to make the right. You know, uh, keep the lights on. Yes. You know. Someone has to pay the rent <laughs> yeah. and yeah. But I'm curious to. Have you, the B-Sides just came out. Yeah. Like what, last year or earlier this year even? I think it was before that, but I'm not, I couldn't okay. tell you. I'm curious, is, is there any talk of like doing a yes, B-Sides reenactment? Yes, there's a lot of talk. All right. There's a lot of talk yeah. about that. I don't know what's going to come of it, but yeah, there is. That would be really cool. That, really that would, would be fun because we've, this is like year 18 or 19. And there's also talk So we've of doing done the like volumes. 18 or 19, yeah. I think it's yeah. that. There's talk sometimes of doing like all three volumes in one session. Oh my goodness. Session. Like, it usually takes two hours, so that'd be sure. like six hours. Right. That'd be all night. <laughs> and yeah. there are people who could do that. Yeah. There, there are, are people who could do an, an entire volume themselves. Yeah. Right. I mean, that just is mind blowing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Thank cool. goodness for the. The super nerds. Yeah, I think right. they're the best. They're so cool. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't wait for this for this evening. It's, yeah, it's going to uh, be. Everyone I, is different. See who decides they're going to do what. And I think the emceeing is particularly fun too. You yeah. know, that's really creative, and everybody it seems like different people do that. And every yeah. Time. Right. Yeah, and we should say Bill Dilloff did did it for. Hmm. Quite a few Many, years. Quite a few years, and then he died unexpectedly hmm. a few years ago, and you know some other people just, yeah. you know, stepped Tony, up. Tony Pascarosa and Jeff Goley. Yes. Yeah, we'll see who does it this time. Yeah, there have been some, you know, younger generation people who've been involved from the beginning. Tony Pascarosa and Zach Johnson. Z- Zach Johnson. The, the, the two of them were. They were amazing. <laughs> a few of the reenactments, they 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 did amazing. You know, performances of several of the songs. Yeah, they both know the whole thing by heart. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's cool. It's almost like a, it's almost like an opera or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. really, really right. And the like you say, opera. the squeaks and the squawks and the yeah. roughness and the smoothness. It's all like just really great yeah. um, so I think we're going to do what was that three tunes that we've done 
think so. Cool. So we have uh, time for two more. All right. Not counting the bonus track. Uh, what do you What do you want to play next? How about a waltz? We'll play the Blackberry Waltz in F. I don't know if we've played it. Yeah. Black. What is it? The Black Blackberry Blossom. Blackberry Blossom. Yep. Waltz. Waltz. Blackberry Waltz or Blackberry Blossom? Blossom Waltz? No, Blackberry Waltz. Okay. Blackberry Waltz. <laughs> yeah, that's really lovely. We do like our F tunes and our B flat tunes and our C tunes. Yeah. And G yeah. tunes and our A tunes and our D tunes. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to play too much of them in the last year. The, the, the local, um, you know, socially distanced, kind of very mm. small one on one or small group get togethers. Uh, in Portland, they haven't been as F and B flat 
enthusiastic. Yeah, I miss it. Do you ever run into Earl White? No, because he doesn't live there anymore. No, I, we he missed used to live in Portland. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we didn't. I think he lived in Portland around the time that I moved to to Philly. Really? Yeah, we missed each other. I still have never met him. Wow. Um, yeah. He's like a dream gift for the show. Oh, so yeah. you got to Putting quiet. this out, this is a secret. Yeah, I want Earl White on the no, show. Earl I don't White, think there's any trouble. Earl's... <laughs> Very much want him on. Yeah. Yeah, but he left a, a, a wake of inspiration in his... Yeah, he did. You know, when he left. Yeah. Uh, everyone was like, yeah, I learned this tune from Earl. Or I used to go over to Earl's. Yeah. And, and he just feed me tunes. <laughs> Yeah, Earl's kind of like John. He can make everything sound good, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he he has his own style. He doesn't he doesn't refer back to sources mm. and stuff like that. He and he learns from tapes, you know, festival tapes yeah. that he made himself. Yeah, that's his own sources. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. great. So um, we have time for one more. Okay. And this is the part of the show where we normally. You know, talk about oh, what do you you know call to action? What should where should people go? And it seems like if call nothing else, people should come to the Harry Smith. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Or if you can't come, start one of your own. Yeah. There you go. Now, there you, you go. Got me, you got me thinking. I don't know how much stuff I can start, but maybe I know someone who can start something. That's right. <laughs> in Portland. Seeds, well, it's funny because the very first year that we were here, there was one year before we came to this park where. I don't think we had any reenactment at all. It was just, it was like the usual. Didn't you like the party. four of you, you and Liz and and John and some and a couple of people did kind of re reenacted yeah, some think, of them. I think that might have been something. But the first year that it was here, like reenactment, what? Right. Like there were maybe three people there, yeah. and they only played maybe you know <laughs> five or six of the tunes, and it was just like, yeah. what? Nobody had any idea what it was, especially me. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what it was. And I was, I was like, What's yeah, it was that? smaller. It used to be in a around a smaller bonfire. Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of like pushing on a rope, but once you get to the point where people kind of like get it, you yeah. just you just stand back and then, yeah. Of course, now it, with this, you would it would be a lot easier because people know about it. I mean, it could yeah, it could sound like a like a like a sort of a dopey idea to do it but it turns out to be really wonderful yeah yeah especially at the uh the awkward difficult sleep deprived time of midnight on yeah. saturday is it always midnight on it's saturday always yes midnight on saturday like you have to want to you have to want to yeah. be there well it's always like some people are still just jamming somewhere else but there's a every time i've been there's a big that's where crowd. people go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's gotten pretty huge. And then I love watching like the podcasts later. Usually there's some people filming it and you can go later and look at it and kind of digest it over time. So um, another, one more thing before we go. You wanted to, you're wearing a Juan Valdez shirt and you said we should talk about this. And I I had forgotten to ask you until now. Okay, well, uh, we used to play music on this uh, porch of this woman, Kim Farmer, okay. and when she left, we had these cards printed up. It's a heart, like a Valentine's heart, with uh, a devil tail and horns, right. mm. with a, uh, a, a fancy script Kim in the middle. And she used to run this this uh, convenience store coffee shop in Northfield, where I live, and she loved the spontaneity and the anarchy of the way music was being played. Mm. and. 
and she made like she had incredible memory. She knew everybody's name. She made sandwiches for everyone, and no one could ever make a sandwich as good as Kim. Mm. And she liked us to come on her porch and play. And so we did that for years and years and years, and it would just be random. There was no plan or order to it. It would just be like yeah. somebody would call somebody on a nice day, and then we would just show up on her porch, and she loved it. And people would come by and look at like people playing on the porch, like, what is going on here? And one day, um, the newspaper, the local newspaper, got wind of this, and they came by, and uh, they had a reporter there and a, and a camera, cameraman, right? They took a picture. And they, inter- they took everybody's name on the porch, and John was on the porch, and he was playing mandolin that day. And they asked him what his name was, and he said, Juan Valdez. Okay. <laughs> so they put Juan Valdez in the newspaper, you know? <laughs> And, and so that's how it got to be. Yeah. And there's a, a picture of someone in what looks like maybe like a bucket hat, like a wide brimmed. Yeah, that was yeah, his hat. It was his hat. A kind of a tank top. If you never saw John, that kind of looks like him. Yeah, like a, lawn, a line drawing there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People, like, people like to say that, that Ben Weatherby, who comes here every time I've been here. He looks sort looks, of like John. Looks like John, and yeah. then people think like, A younger oh, John. Is that John? Right. Time travel right. John? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it could be time travel yeah. John. And that kind of, it looks a, a bit like, it's got some... Yeah, Ben is inhaling a yeah, lot that's of material, true. man. I, I, I think it's kind of cool that he did that, Jonathan, because he didn't, he really didn't like to be idolized. Mm. And he was such a prodigy that people idolized him. And I think that's, Probably why he why he yeah, gave it. Always hiding he, out. Yeah, he 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 didn't want to be, you know. He he never did really any. He never put out a CD. He never, yeah. and that in fact the reason one of the reasons why some of his music is available now on on YouTube is because of a, a friend of his known well, as Moonshine, Moonshine v. right yeah. Moonshine V, yeah. who who kind of followed him around and and Jonathan didn't he he initially did not want her to do that and she sort of kept after him she said you know your music needs to be preserved yeah and so anyway thanks to Moonshine V now there's her, yeah. quite a bit of thanks to her she did yeah because I I I think of all the times of things I've heard him play that I were never recorded yeah just like what I would give to hear him play that again. Yeah, and the, and a lot of because he liked to play for a long time. A lot of the videos that you can see on YouTube are for a long time, and you really get a feel for how he played and how he approached the music. He really would kind of zone out on it, and he, I mean, he would play a tune for twenty minutes, yeah. not exaggerating. <laughs> and he had a million ideas, and yeah. they were all rhythm based. Like, yeah. So he could be very eloquent and articulate if he wanted to and he always was but he always went back to the to the rhythm on the power of the rhythm and his mm-hmm. playing and i think that's one of the things that is so inspiring well about about folk music in general is that you know you don't have to be like a really articulate player you know it's 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 all there you know you're you're just as much part of it you know yeah. yeah. I always loved his uh, Durings hornpipe because oh, yeah. in the A part, it's like, it's like, how am I supposed to play this? I've tried fiddling it, and like sometimes I like kind of get a little bit like, oh, this is almost passable, and then I drop it, and it's like, yeah, there's no other tunes that require that. Yeah. 
that that sort of drum circle like right. you know approach to the to the bow. Right. It's it sounds kind of not easy, but it sounds straightforward. But then if you try to do it, it's not. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> and yeah, really, really fascinating. But we have time for one more Crockett's before honeymoon? we say goodbye. We haven't played that yet, have we? What is it? Did we play Crockett's Honeymoon yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know I, I believe I actually know this one. I might not need a dry run. <laughs> right. It's not, this, is a, this is not a, a kind of an offbeat. This is a, This is G-Tune, huh? Huh? This is G-Tune, yeah. It's in the... It's a mainstream tune. Although it's not played that much anymore. Thank you so much, Wendy and Phil, for taking a little bit of time at your festival to, to do this. It was really good to meet you and play with you. Well, thank you Ditto. for thank doing you. what you're doing. It's, uh, yeah, thank you for doing this. Good to spread this around. Yeah. I hope my granddaughters hear this and they right. want to start playing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Right, oh yeah, a pitch. Sign up for the... Sign up. Sign up for Get Up in the Cool podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You can follow the Harry Smith Frolic on its Facebook page or visit the website sacrosoft.com slash harrysmith. Both are linked in the show notes as well as Miss Moonshine V's YouTube page where you can find some of the best John Beckhoff content on the internet along with a vast curation of modern old-time music and dance video documentation. So go check it out. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend 
or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. And don't forget to check out those links to my Cafe Lena workshops coming this September. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up In The Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.